Welcome. Welcome to Empower Men Podcast. What's this, Raph? Number three. This is number three. We've got the lovely Matt Tavener on. We are three minutes on, late. I, I can't hear you. You can't hear me? I can hear you. I don't know. You can hear me? I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not sure who can hear me and who can't hear me, but I can't hear you. <laughs> we love technology, but uh, I'll uh, I'll keep going and assume that we'll reconnect at some stage. I've had a bit of, you know, we, we've had a, each of us have had some internet issues, so uh, it's my turn tonight to have internet issues, so. I'm hooked up to my phone, so hopefully that that keeps going. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's been uh, it's been um, a headache. So we have a guest tonight, and we are going to talk all things business and finance. So this guy, he's my brother-in-law, and he's an all-round champion guy. Whenever we whenever we catch up, we always talk about. Business, it always ends up talking about, you know, business and finance and money making and all, all that sort of stuff. So let's, uh, if you could all clap at home, welcome Matt onto the show. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be here. Now, can you hear me, can you hear me well, I, can you hear me, Matt? Because uh, I don't think yeah. can hear no, I can I can hear you guys. Fine. I can't hear Matt either, by the way. Well, that's interesting. Well, Mosho, I think I'll I'll uh, just start with the conversation. I'm not but sure what jump is off going and then on. Come back. Um, now, you, like Mosho said, um, uh, refresh. I'll just send Mosho a message. Like Mosho said, you know, you're you're his, um you're related to him, married to his lovely sister. Mm. Um, you're both in pretty amazing jobs now. Um, you've been involved in finance. Just tell us a little bit about what got you involved in the whole finance game to start yeah, with. Yeah, uh, definitely. Well, I'm I'm originally uh, from New Zealand, so I'm a Kiwi. I've, I've been here for probably almost 17 years now. Um, originally, I was off a, a dairy farm back in New Zealand. So, wow. um, you know, that's what we used to do, milk cows all day. Um, that's how we made our money. But, uh, you know, basically in the mid 80s uh, in New Zealand, interest rates went really high, uh, you know, literally about 25, 30% or extremely high uh, through the inflation that they were experiencing at that time. Uh, it became just too hard to run a farm. Basically, at the, at the same time, uh, milk prices started to dive and I saw my family starting to pretty much slip into a real financial difficulty. Got to the point where the family went bankrupt. Um, and as a result of that, we really did struggle. So. Uh, you know, for the next 10 years, we basically lived without, and it was pretty, pretty difficult sort of period. So through that time, uh, yeah, look, I just learned to sort of work out how can we sort of cope without things and, you know, work out, you know, how do we avoid that in the future for myself? So from my point of view, what I did was uh, really look into that side of things and explore it a bit more. I had a, had a bit of an interest in commerce, uh, went to university after I left uh, high school, uh, studied economics and finance, uh, really sort of learned how, about all that side of things. Uh, my first my first life, well, first job in the workforce was moving into a bank. I started to work for ANZ Bank for five years. Uh, got, got exposed to all that corporate sort of world, basically, um, in terms of that side of things. So that was really where I picked up that interest in finance, really just wanting to sort of take control of my life and what I'd seen as a child. Um, and I think, you know, those sort of learnings really do stick with you. And what you learn 
when you're you know when you're growing up as a kid it's not always the might not always be the, the easiest situation you get through but uh you know you learn a lot from it so yeah f through that side moved through the corporate world uh but effectively just you know didn't like working in that environment that wasn't me uh as a person so i really moved off uh from there and uh you know started my own thing came across from australia um and had that initial desire to just want to get out really be in control of my own destiny um and get involved in a small sort of business so really started to explore smaller finance opportunities working for broking firms um, see what that sort of small culture was like rather than a corporate sort of culture really enjoyed that um, and then got to the point of thinking hey maybe i can do this better um, maybe i can take more control over what i'm doing and um, that's what really got me into to uh, wanting to start my own business um, and move into that point so um, literally about 12 years 12 years ago now we started our own little broking firm um, and we built it up to about 11 staff now and you know i love it it's it's where my passion is i really enjoy it um, and we're really enabling others our clients to be able to create financial independence for themselves as well um, through you know business finance that we do um we're helping people all day through that sort of thing so from there you know obviously as colin mentioned got married um got two children little girl that's 10 or boy that's eight um and yeah obviously yeah uh, sort of taken from there but no we we're all happy um but definitely i think that childhood experience for me is what got me into finance uh to sort of work out how can i you know take control of that financial side of things i mean that's a that would be a massive driver and, and for many their upbringing sort of causes them to make decisions you know for their own future and pretty amazing that you've just mentioned your two kids and and you're probably giving them a completely different contrast background to what you've had in your upbringing um you obviously had some brothers and sisters is that how how yeah know? look exactly right i mean I, you know i was uh i had uh, three brothers and uh, and a sister and uh yeah basically you know grew up as the youngest in the family um and you know what it's like a lot of the time when you're in that sort of situation you tend to get all the the hand-me-down sort of items you know you never get new clothes because there's always somebody else that's going to be able to pass these things down um, so you grow up in that dynamic as well, but you know, I guess in that situation when a lot of people look back and reflect on their childhood, it teaches us so many things. You can learn so much out of it, um, and I don't think any childhood, you know, is necessarily a bad one. It's just really, um, what can I take from it, and how can I sort of learn and improve? And you're exactly right. I think you know, I see a lot of people later in life uh, as a result of their childhood, they really try to, you know, take actions to to create a life for themselves that uh, is, is better than that. So. I think that's probably a key motivator for me for sure um yeah it's, a, it, it's always hard because you you know sometimes as, as fathers and you know this yourself you try to buck against anything that was negative in your own upbringing and then that you know kind of doesn't work it goes goes a bit pear-shaped but you had such a, a almost a baptism of fire you, you studied finance and then you got into the financial game and you know 12 years in um your business which is you can talk about your business geared financial which is quite remarkable you're you're a bit of a leader in that whole realm tell us just a bit about what you do in terms of your business well look i mean i think you know from that side um you know geared asset finance is, is what we do that that business is really commercial lending or you know business loans and that's where, where we are at the moment um what we do is really you know deliver a customer experience in terms of finding people that may not other, otherwise be able to get solutions through banks. Um, it's really a, an alternative to the banks. We're not uh, taking on what the banks would do in terms of their sort of their processes, but 
we're really helping people to enable their dreams in many ways. So, uh, you know, filling in that sort of void that we see in the market. And I definitely think, you know, from our point of view, we've, we've got a clear focus in that in that way. And you know, customer service and, and delivering solutions to our clients is the key thing. And you know, that's exactly what we have. We have thousands of clients that we've helped over the 12 years. Um, you know, we've been able to let them, enable them uh, to get back into their businesses and grow their businesses. Um, and it's a real rewarding sort of experience. You know, you sort of, you see what you've done for yourself in that way um, and then you continue it and you can deliver it for others. So um, so asset finance is what we primarily do. Um, business loans, you know, we, we focus a lot in the hospitality space. Um, I would say probably even, you know, 60% of what we do is, is in that space. And that's really a tricky industry right now, particularly in Victoria that's just coming out of lockdown. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of work that we've had to do to sort of hold on to that. We're expanding into the mortgage space as well. You know, obviously through COVID, I think a lot of businesses have tried to sort of adapt and work out how can we expand and grow what we do. And that's exactly what we've been able to do. Move into that space and offer that sort of opportunity for people as well. So it's really, you know, it's quite a good side of things. Um, you, you must have some amazing stories of people that you've helped out along the way. And I, I happen to know, um, you know, because my son works for you, he tells me stories of, you, of how, and it, it's a character to how big your heart is. But you know, looking forward, you, there's probably going to be more stories of heartbreak coming up. And, and you're the kind of guy that loves to give the, the average bloke and the average woman the leg up. In You know, you've mentioned COVID and, and how hard it is. What's... You know, without you don't have crystal ball, but what's some of your expectation? That's what's going to happen in the next six months, twelve months, two years coming up financially. Yeah, look, you know, for those businesses that have had to persevere and push through uh, during a period where a lot of them haven't even been able to trade, or they've been able to only trade at a very small capacity, uh, but yet a lot of their expenditure hasn't hasn't been able to reduce that way. So, you know, there's definitely means and ways of uh, negotiating with uh, landlords and all those sort of things to do that. But ultimately, you're going to end up this year or the start of next year with a lot and a lot worse situation than you were at the start of the year. Um, and, you know, that legacy of debt and all those sort of issues from that point can, can really just be overwhelming. Um, you know, that coupled with the stress and the anxiety of, of what that means for people, um, whether or not you can actually get through those financial difficulties and come out with a plan um, may not may not matter as much as the anxiety and all the sort of pressure that you've had to endure from it. So there's a lot of people at their wits end right now. I think um, hopefully with enough support, guidance, uh, clarity from you know government uh, support in that way, those people can really sort of be um, enabled through. So there are a couple of changes. We're seeing the relaxation of uh, lending standards. Um, so yes, obviously there's a lot of opposition to that. The sense of the thought that we're going to go back to what it was like, um, which what you know prior to the banking inquiry, which uh, we had reckless lending. But what we're trying to, what, what we're seeing from that is the ability to uh, lend to businesses without necessarily having that historical evidence to show that they can afford it right now. And obviously, if you look back over the last twelve months and you ask a business to be able to historically show that it can afford a loan, that's going to be really hard. So we need to be able to look forward. And I think those current lending standards uh, are restricting that. So by changing that, that'll at least enable uh, those sort of businesses to move forward. Um, there is also a change in the insolvency laws, which means that uh, you know the lawyers who are probably quite possibly waiting in the uh, bushes to, to, to pounce and uh, jump on the back of those businesses will be held at bay a little bit longer. Uh, businesses could come up with a plan 
um, let the actual manager try to work it through for a bit longer than they ordinarily would. So there's some positive changes there to help people, but ultimately it's going to be a very difficult period. I mean, we, the expectation is that we're going to see a cliff face once the uh, once the incentives run out, once things like JobKeeper, um, you know, stimulus into the cash flow boost, things like that. When that runs out, there may very well be a bit of a cliff face, but I think as long as we can all come to support each other um, and, you know, do what's possible to, to support those businesses through that period, um, then we'll, we'll try to recover. But definitely uh, for those that have endured the pain so far, it's going to be an extremely difficult period. I think everybody needs to come together and support. And that may not just be financial support. It could be uh, motivational support. It can be psychological support you know, through, well, through that side. That's what I was about to ask, and, and Mosh is about to ask a question. But do you find yourself, like your, your role is to um, – give financial in you know contribution or lending to those who want to you know keep going with the business buy equipment and all that sort of stuff but do you find yourself that there's times when you have to stop and give some advice and even you know find yourself counseling people and they're, they're talking to you because they're so broken or so down and out that you know you're you have to put aside what your job is and just love them kind of thing is that the kind of thing you find yourself yeah, exactly right look i think you know Ultimately, our end goal is to help the client as best we can. And sometimes that may mean that we don't lend to them um, because we know that we're going to make it worse. So yeah. um, there's many situations where clients will come to us and uh, we can just see that the that they haven't necessarily done the work to sort of understand where they're going. Or we can see signs that this is not going to work out. Um, no, yeah. you know, obviously, we, we don't have a crystal ball to make those decisions for them, but a bit of guidance, as you say. So sometimes we're simply saying, look, we can't help you, but... Perhaps if you go at it this way, maybe come back in a certain time once these things have been, been addressed or you've investigated this a little bit more, maybe start off in this direction perhaps yeah. first and then come back to us or um, come back to a bank at the time when it's appropriate. But you have to do that and it's irresponsible not to. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't, the worst thing that we want to do is lend money to somebody and then they just end up in further financial difficulty. Um, so it's really important that you do make sure that you're doing that. And, you know, as you said, it may not have anything to do with money. It might be simply more about, um, where's your head at right now and is this the right space for you to be in? So, I mean, it, it is irresponsible not to, but, you know, good on you for doing it because there's plenty of people that would just do it and not worry about them but worry about the lining their own pockets. But, Mosha, you've started a business and it's, you're you're new to this whole business game and, and um, you know, the whole pit personal training. You know, what kind of tips, Matt, could you give new business owners like Mosho? to you know keep them going because am i right in saying that small businesses only last an average of five years is that accurate there or have i got that wrong yeah look i mean there's there's a lot of different sort of um stats thrown about thrown around about how long businesses tend to last for but you know i would say at least 60 percent of businesses probably only survive for three years um generally that it becomes hard so obviously as you know what in the first those first periods um you know of trading it is extremely difficult so um really that the initial thing you need to do is make sure you've got your planning right, understanding where you're going. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. the key thing from any business operator's point of view is that forecasting your, your expenditure, understanding where you break even. It's a critical point, knowing how much do I need to get in today in order to break break even, break even on my cost. And that simply means how much do I need to earn to cover all my bills. So profit, when you first start a business, is not necessarily the goal. Um, it's more about survival. And uh, you know, I think in any way, when you first start a business, uh, for the first potentially few years, it's not as glamorous as you might think. And unless you, you, you know, there are some businesses that strike, strike lucky and they, they get straight in there and, hey, it's, it's happy days. But 
the majority of businesses, it is hard for the first few years. And you've got to work out how can I just get that through that survival. But you know what? It's really worth persevering because, you know, as we talk about some of the you know, motivation as to why you want to start a business, you know, creating a passion for you, it's eating, it's filling the needs that you have. So um, really planning, you know, planning on that side to make sure that you do actually um, have that understanding of that. Um, you know, you might want to sort of potentially use the guidance of other people as well. So, you know, you might have a mentor that gets involved with you. Um, you might want someone to sort of at least who has gone down that road to provide you with that sort of experience. But uh, generally, you know, obviously that plan gives you those those initial that initial guidelines. Not to say that plans don't change because they do. Definitely, um, you know, you're not living by a business plan right through the, through the whole time. Once you get through that period and you can see uh, momentum, yeah. you're on your way and you, and you always have to change to get through that. Yeah, and I, I think, like, for me, um, you know, my business model keeps developing and changing, you know, I'm probably in the, what, first, probably maybe third or fourth year of, of running, the, running the pit full-time and not doing the building work. I mean, I have run a, a building business before, so um, I sort of get the concepts and that, that sort of thing. But um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you've um, already covered because I was on the phone to Joe Biden just sort of trying to get <laughs> internet back up. But <laughs> he finally made it for, come through for me. You can run, run through your questions, Colin. We can, uh, whatever you might have, and we'll see if we've, we've covered it off with. Yeah, well, um, maybe t talk us through, because I know some people are just hell-bent on starting a business, and that other people are like, oh, no, I just want to work for someone and, and get a paycheck every week. <clears throat> and I guess, what would you say to someone who just says, oh, no, that, I just want to get a paycheck every week versus someone who wants to just go out and start every business. You know, there's obviously risk and reward for, for each and, and pros and cons for each of either running a business or working for someone. Can you sort of maybe chat through the two different things and, you know, is it a personality thing? Like if there's someone that just really feels like, no, no, I just need to turn up and work for the man or whatever, then you know, is that the best thing for them or should they risk, risk, take some risks? Well, look, you're definitely right. I think, you know, there is, there's definitely two top people. Um, you know, that's why bigger organisations have thousands of people that work for them as employees yeah. um, is because yeah. they do like that structure. And there is, you've really got to find that out for yourself. And, uh, you know, if somebody is really suited to that, to that working environment as an employee, um, yes, I'd, you know, I'd challenge them. I'd 100% challenge them to see if they could have that ability yeah. to say, "Hey, try and go off and you know do better." Maybe if you want, if you want to really experience some opportunities, see if you can work for yourself. But it's definitely not for everybody, and yeah. I wouldn't suggest that everybody can just start moving into self-employment. Um, so, you know, as an employee, you do get a lot of structure. You get a lot of sort of benefits that come out of it. Stress is not necessarily. Um, it's high. I mean, you've got a lot of continuity of income and all those sorts of things. And as well as that, you can become a real specialist in it as an employee. So as you build through your career, you can start to focus on something that you're really, really good at um, to the point where you become an ex expert at it. And a lot of people love that. A lot of people love working for a brand. They love working for a big organization and feeling to be part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's that's fine. That's fine. And if that is you, that's probably, you know, that, that could be the role. But if you want to test yourself and move out, Know, definitely look at you know you can look at the self-employment role but i think the other sort of person is somebody who really wants that freedom and control um and that's personally where i had so we, we talked about how you know i started off in the corporate world i worked for a bank for about five or six years yep. experience a bit more of that 
what I what I was not getting was that freedom. So I couldn't really have much control over my my job, my destiny in that role. You know, I had some really good ideas, but um, yeah. when you when you try to float some ideas up the flagpole of a you know, corporate, it can it can just be disheartening. You just don't see it going anywhere. Yeah. So I think you know that was the main thing for me was just benefit of being able to get that freedom of control and the excitement of actually having a plan and enacting it and seeing your dream come true. That's just exciting, and that's that's really exciting for me. Yeah. Playing that sort of um, that side and a lot of that that side of things for me was getting stifled in the corporate world you know i i uh i would describe many situations where i'd come up with an idea and suggestions and advice um but nothing would happen and i'd be like watching a slow motion car crash you, you'd say it's not gonna work we need to change it oh, yeah. it's, it's a little bit too hard to do this and you'll see it see it happening and it was just frustrating yeah and you see you see your clients sort of being pulled through that so you know that 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 side of things is really hard but i think you know, working for yourself, the accomplishment that you can, you can get out of that reward of, you know, seeing those efforts come there. And look, you get to make money. You get to make money potentially well. If you do it right, you'll make uh, you know, more effort into it, the more money you can get out of it. And a lot of, a lot of work environments, you don't see that. So, um, you know, you, you can work really, really hard and you may not be, by re be recognised by your employer. You might just simply remain in that side. So at least you do see that reward potentially from your effort coming out of it, which is good. You know, from my point of view, and I think, you know, from a lot of people's self-employed point of view, the flexibility of that work-life balance is great. You know, the fact that you can pick, take your kids to school, pick them up, um, you know, you can be available for certain things that uh, you may otherwise miss as, in, in a corporate world. Um, yeah. That's the one big thing, and that creates regret for a lot of people. Um, so that's, you know, that, those, that's the really good side of it. Look, I mean, from the bad side of things in terms of, you know, working for yourself, yes, there's a high degree of likelihood of failure, um, and that can be crushing, as we sort of talked about, you know, how many sort of businesses fail in those first few years. But yeah. that uncertainty and that stress that you have in that first period potentially running a business, that's not for everybody. Uh, that can that can really play hard on people. So you've got to make sure that you are able to sort of withstand that. Um, and also the amount of work, potentially. When you first start running your own business, mm -hmm. it's not a nine-to-five job. Um, yeah. It's not even a you know, five-day-a-week job. It's a, it's a, sometimes you can't switch off at all. You know, it's... You know, you simply switch off when you're sleeping. So that level of work that you go through when you first start uh, can, can really take its toll. And, you know, you don't always have annual leave. You don't always have somebody to sort of look after your business when yeah. you want to have a break. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes what happens is, you know, you may have loved being a real good specialist at something as an employee, um, but when you start a business, you're a jack of all trades. You know, you've got to be able to learn how to do it, the accounts and uh, how to do this and how to do that. Um, and that's not always... You know, desirable yeah. for everybody. Um, so that's side, and you know, particularly managing people too. As you grow your staff, sometimes you learn so much more about yourself when you have to manage other people, and that's yeah. that's again, that's not for everybody. So, so do you think maybe then? Well, two questions out of that, but first one is like, as a as a young person, do you think maybe some you've got to do your dues as an employee before you then go, or oh, maybe I can start something and. Maybe even side hustle, you know, rather than like yeah. totally jumping off off the ship, you know, and and then jumping in the deep end. Definitely right, and uh, you know, when, when I reflect on the corporate world environment for myself, for example, it's, there's no regret in that. Um, what I learned out of that environment was exceptional. You know, just the level of structure, professionalism, and how to sort of create that in your own business as well. So it's essential that you do get those skills. So I would suggest that anybody who, um, you know, is first getting into the work environment is to, you know, definitely work in a corporate or work in a business or, you know, whether it's a small or medium business, work for somebody else 
yeah. get to see what they do, learn from them, because that learning is invaluable. And and otherwise, if you start your business too early, uh, you, you know the learning will it could be failure, and that's a tough learning. Uh, but if you can see what other people have done right, what they've done wrong, that's great. Yeah. Um, and you can pick up so much out of that. But you're definitely right. I think if you've got, um, you know, if you were thinking about the possibility of, hey, I want a business on the side, uh, or I want to start doing this, um, how can I do that? Well, look, definitely, I think it's, you know, it's something to, um, you know, as I said before, when I when I first probably started doing, um, working in business, there's, there's a lot of pressure on you to make money because that's what you're going to use to pay your bills. Yeah. And uh, if you don't have another source of income, stress and anxiety can just be overwhelming. So it's a really good idea. Yes, if you've got a job already, um, yeah. keep that day job. Don't give it up. Um, and look at trying to grow something on the side to slowly transition and s slowly replace it. If you've got that luxury uh, to be able to do that, um, you will be able to more calmly move into that role or that position of what you're trying to do without the stress of it because yeah. – um, it could be overwhelming otherwise, and you can, yeah. you may not get it its best shot simply because you're uh, in a really difficult financial position. Yeah, well, well my uh, CSL shares went up ten dollars a share today, so <laughs> <laughs> thanks. <There> to the <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm just thinking about if you learned anything. I mean, I'm sure you, we're, you're always learning, but from failures or missed opportunities, maybe you know something that you thought, oh, if only I had have done that differently or if i had have actually done something differently is there you know because we can learn from the positive stuff but it's, it's also helpful to learn from the negative stuff sometimes oh look I, I think i think that's probably the most important learning definitely um you know uh everybody goes through experiences where they make mistakes or they um, may not have planned properly or they might not have they might have turned their eye to something and just didn't really pay attention and it, it comes back as a problem uh, to the point of potential failure and, you know, I think um, the, what you learn out of that failure is, is phenomenal. And, you know, I, I refer back, I always think back when I first uh, got out of that corporate world, when I first yeah. came to Australia, I really just wanted to get out and start working for myself. So I started doing straight away into investing. I started doing, um, this was back in, you know, the early uh, early 2000s when you could barely do forex trading and uh, futures trading. And I got straight into that. And, you know, when I was paper trading, when I was at the bank, yeah, it was great. It works really well. I, I seem to be a great trader. Uh, but when I when I actually started doing it full-time, sole source of income, um, the amount of stress and that came out of it was just insane. So, you know, I started panicking. I started making decisions that were not based on logic and rational. It was more emotional sort of things. And what I learned from all that sort of side of things, I guess, is if you have too much fear of failure, you tend to sort of just fall into it. So fear, unfortunately, does create the failure because you simply are trying to avoid it to the point where it's this massive void that you just fall into. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's easier to say that. No, you know, well, I think the probably you know one of the lines says you know don't be don't be afraid of failure uh, because you'll learn so much out of it because you'll be so analytical and go back and revisit and understand why that happened. But it's easy to say that. But that's not to say that everyone can simply say, yep, I'm fine and you know I accept. Except uh, I've got no fear of failure because, again, it can be very daunting to sort of go through that. But um, I think it just forces you to analyse your mistakes and really sort of review how I could have done that better. And you know, I definitely saw that through uh, through through uh, trading. And I think even the other point of missed opportunities, it could be even worse than failure because you know you, you don't know you, you, the regret of the unknown can be worse than failure. At least you know you know you failed and you know how to learn out of it. And it's actually quite a Good little circle of understanding and learning 
yeah. from missed opportunities is something you'll never really quite experience and that can even be worse so you've got to be prepared to give it a go um and try to sort of uh, you know give it a shot i think um you know some of the best business coaches in the world have probably failed business people and uh you know whether they're just fearful of getting back into it fully on their own but i think they have really good advice because they've been there they've felt it um and they know how to create that feedback of understanding yeah, from yeah. Value. so um yeah it's look at it really you can learn a lot from it don't be don't be fearful or if it does happen um i would say you know everyone has done it i've failed many times and from it we've learned um and we create plans on the basis of understanding that we will fail through some of those plans um it's not always going to succeed and then i guess, I guess you got to then try and balance whether you try and trade out of that or you just dump it and move on you know is that well, that's right like, i mean if you're looking at it from an investment perspective um, you know, and that, that's that's a really tricky sort of situation to get in. And what it does teach you is you've got to stick to the rules. So particularly when you're trading, and that's you've got to have a plan and you've got to stick to the plan. And that's it. You do not deviate from the plan. Um, and I think you know, um, look, that can that can happen in business as well. You've got to make sure that you do sort of plan. But you know, trading is different again to running a business. In the point of uh, running a business can be much more fluid. You know, things can change and you need to adapt to the change and sort of move as well. And I think what we've seen with this last 12 months is businesses that have been presented with um, extreme change and they've had to work out how do I pivot my business to, yeah. to uh, deal with that and, yeah. and still, you know, take it on. I can't just put my head in the sand. And we've seen that. Like a lot of our clients, as I said, we we work in hospitality funding. Uh, yeah. A lot of them transition to, you know, takeaways and online sort of measures and all those sort of things. And it forces you to really... You know, work out how can we sort of you know get through it. Yeah. Well, the organisation I work for, they you know people had to jump onto Zoom, and before then, before this year, they didn't even know what Zoom was or any online stuff. So, you know, um, your wife obviously has a business as well. I won't talk about what she does or mention her name unless you want to. But how does it go with yourself and her having a business in in quite you know, um, it's high pressure for both of you. Do you, does it work? Do you do you give each other tips? Do you ever say, "Hey, hey, darling, I think you should have done this, this, and this," and then she punches in the eye? <laughs> yeah. yeah look, no, definitely. Um, yeah, look, Ellie is a clinical psychologist. She has a you know practice where she um, counsels a lot of people and helps a lot of people that are in major need, whether it's trauma and you know all these sort of things, and a lot of forensic work as well. So, um, but you know, from that point, it's great. I mean, we 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 both share. And support each other where we need it. I mean, from, from my perspective, when it comes to Ellie, I think you know just the business knowledge of you know, hey, your taxes are due this weekend, or you know, you're going to do the bass, and how does that? <laughs> and then, how do you feel about that? That's right. And then the other way, it's uh, and then the other way, it is support of um, you know the issues that pop up that make you angry each day. At least you've got someone to talk to to get that out. And I think um, you know, I've learned I've learned a phenomenal amount from having that sort of person in my life of being able to. Uh, talk about things and at least sort of get it out and uh, and what that does in terms of improving. So, and then the other way around, yes, definitely. So we, we support each other um, and being on different ends of the scale of, you know, we're completely different industries at least. Yeah. Um, it's great. It really is good. So, yeah. So, so let, let's take a, a scenario where there's young guy, he's been working for a while, you know, just, just got a, a full-time job, but he's got an idea, he wants to start a business. Whether it's in the same industry, lot like you know, you're in been in the finance and you, you stepped out and started your own thing. But what sort of advice would you give to someone who just wants to start something? They've got this energy and they've been working for maybe five years in industry, 
<clears throat> what's the first step? Do they should they just go get a mentor? Should they, you know, start a business plan? You know, what, what sort of yep. advice would you give to someone? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think, um, yeah, as you said, and what we talked about before, the first point is planning. You've definitely got to plan. That's the that's the critical part of it. Yep. Um, any any business that wants to sort of um, know where it's going or what it's trying to achieve needs to understand what the what the outcome is going to be through a plan. So, um, planning is critical. Um, you know, basically, as we talked about, it's understanding. You know projections when it comes to numbers you got to you've really got to get your head around your numbers when it comes to business to make sure that it's going to be financially viable so that, that forecast and that budget of understanding where i need to achieve um from a point of being able to break even is critical so and you know from those numbers will then talk to you in terms of the volume or how many people you need to get through the door or how much you need to charge for what it is that you're trying to do um to be able to make it break even and then what's realistic from that point so really that plan you know it involves a lot of research so obviously really looking around to sort of work out um you know how how, how what i want to do how is it relevant how, how is it going to fill a niche or a need that might be out there um in terms of you know satisfying a market that you can sort of see so i think that's really you know a critical point and just understanding that what is the uh, purpose of my business and that why would people want to buy from me or come and see me um yeah. it's really you that relevance of, of that side of things but you know if you're in that situation you're a young guy you, you've still got a job I, I, the first thing is as i said before is keep the day job i wouldn't uh just jump all straight over into it definitely uh, try to keep that and if you can um, alleviate the stress of what it is when you first get into a business through the support of another income um it's you know it's such a great thing because you know you may not make a profit in the first period of time and if you can sort of slowly crutch yourself and transition into it then you've got time to start uh, transferring into making the profit, um, yeah. you know, and you'll you'll learn a lot from potentially staying in a job. But you know, definitely, if you can find somebody who is, you know, a mentor, somebody who's been there, someone who can share their experience with you, that's a, that's an amazing thing. So, um, you know, the more that you can learn from others and listen to people, um, yeah. you know, it's such a good thing. Do you want a partner or not? Is there is there someone else who you want to come into the business? have come into the business and share some of that with you so you might uh, you might do that you might have somebody that's going to share it and carry their part of the the bargain um, yeah. and if you do do that well what does the agreement look like what does the understanding look like if it goes wrong um, and i think that's probably one of the key things i see with many partnerships that come together is they never think it's going to fall apart they always think hey i love this guy's my mate it's going to work really well we're going to be happy happy away we go but the, the number of businesses that I see split apart when it comes to partnerships is phenomenal. Yeah, um, yeah. You start to really know this other person when you work with them and you don't you don't quite know them when they're potentially just your friend. Um, so you've got to really understand how do we how do we break apart, you know, from that side of things. Um, putting something putting something in writing, I guess, that you both agree on. Definitely right. You you gotta have a partnership agreement. You know, what is it and and, and it can be awkward creating a partnership agreement when when you're still you know talking about just being friends and things but you've got to actually say what happens what what is your part of the bargain in this arrangement and how do we get out of it if don't things don't work um, yep. it's got to be spelled out so that you at least know that you can sort of trade that but you know the key thing with you know that sort of things is marketing how, how do we how, how am i going to tell people about my business how are they going to know what i do how do they even understand that i'm out there so definitely you know websites what does a website do in terms of SEO and you know optimizing that site so when people jump into Google and search for certain things that relate to you, they'll find you. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you 
sort of enable that to, you know, be out of the other way of pushing it out to marketers through sponsoring your investments and all those sort of things. But the rise of social media is critical these yeah, days cool. too. And how do you get your head around all those sort of things in relation to, um, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, really embracing that because that's 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 the way people are talking now. That's how they're communicating, you know, all about following people, liking, putting hashtags and um, yeah. really sort of embracing that, that social media uh, sort of things as well. Um, you know, if your business is, it, I guess one of the challenges with any business is can you actually scale it up or not? Is it, do you have to go completely in, that's it? Or can you can you scale it slowly? And then if you can pick an industry where you can scale it, well, it's a lot easier to slowly move in yeah, um, versus yeah. just having to you know jump in full hog. And a lot of businesses like that, unfortunately, you've got to just simply take the leap of faith and plunge into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely look. You know, the, as we talk about, the key points would be really planning, research, looking for guidance, um, and if you can, slowly transition. Yeah, um, yeah. Just dumping in. Yeah, yeah I, I really agree with the marketing. The marketing side of it you know from from my perspective in in the pit you know facebook really is my main marketing tool and you know all i've done in the past is celebrate the people i've had here and then other people see that and then they they want to come because you know we've got a good vibe or getting results with the clients and all that sort of thing so it's exactly right and you know that's how we see it in our business well i guess we're probably you know, we've gone for 12 years and that 12 years has been a bit of a changing environment where we've seen social media becoming so much more important now. Yeah. But people relate to real stories. They, 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 if they can see somebody that actually is achieving a result through using you, yeah, makes yeah. them feel better. They can relate to that. It's so much more relatable to hear somebody's story about their journey as a result of working with you yeah. uh, to, and then how, how they can achieve the same thing. So definitely, you know, imagery, Talking about scenarios and hearing from your clients and people is critical. And I think um, there's nothing better than a testimonial or a word of mouth referral. And uh, it's the best marketing you can get. And that's where social media is, is really pointing to that. It's really capturing that, the essence of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's the hard part, though, isn't it? As, as a, I'm not a business owner, but I'm guessing what you talked about before, Matt, when you were just starting out, as a, as a guy who's working by himself or a woman who's working by herself, she has to do the finance, go get the quotes, do the work, do social media, update the website. You know, it's um, for the moshes of this world who are starting out, he has to be all things to all men in a sense. He has to know everything, whereas the the plunge for you with, with 12 staff, that would have been a tough one, but at least you can diversify. Was it hard moving from I'm just a... I'm just doing this by myself. Now I'm going to actually take this risk and put someone on and then hope to God that all the money comes in to pay them kind of and pay me. Was that that's a big right. Oh, that definitely, that definitely right. I mean, that, that, um, that first time we employed somebody and, uh, and, and the uncertainty from that was phenomenal. Um, it's a big, massive leap of faith to, to go to that point yeah. because – you know, you've seen, you know, when you run a business and you first started, your income is, is like a roller coaster. You don't know exactly where it's going to be from one day to the next. Yeah, but yeah. you've got to offer security to somebody with that. Yes, uh, how, yes. do, how do you present a stable job that you're going to be able to pay this person every week or fortnight from this up and down roller coaster of income? And But what it does do is it, it really forces your commitment back to it. You know, you start to see that there's actually people now that are dependent upon you to make sure that this business succeeds. And you then really it out to make sure that you can but once you once you get past that hurdle of those first you know one or two employees 
you see that it actually works, when you start to see, hey, this person is creating me money. It's not just, and I think the first point of when you think about getting an employee is you, all you think about is the cost of it. But when you actually employ them, you start to see the benefit. All of a sudden, I don't have to do that social media content anymore. I've got somebody who can look after that. Or I don't have to do my loan agreements anymore. I've got somebody who can do that. So you, you start to have more time to grow the business. And it's critical to be able to start to transition away from uh, taking on all those tasks and actually uh, delegating those roles to other people so that you can go back to potentially what started, what you want, you know, where you started your business from and get back to that passion. And, and eventually you do get to the point where you've got enough people around you to support, not necessarily, not necessarily all the mundane tasks, but the tasks that uh, you could uh, shed off to the point where you could focus on what you're really good at and what you're passionate about. So um, it's a journey and yeah, definitely the first, first one or two employees that you take on is, is a risk. Um, yeah. Hopefully it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're getting close to the end of time, but I've got just another couple of questions. Like you've been doing business and working, investing, all that sort of thing for, you know, decades now. What would you sort of attribute your success to? I guess you see some people who run businesses and they're just cutthroat, they just push, push, push. And then other, other people are sort of like they're smart and they, they really work things for their advantage or, you know, there's a whole range of different ways that, people can attribute their success. What would you say, like, for you personally as being... For me personally, for me personally, I think the first thing is perseverance, you know, being, being sticking at something, basically. So really choosing a, a, an area that you want to focus on and, and sticking at it. And what I see, I've seen a lot of people come and go who chase a dream, gets a little bit too hard for about five minutes, and all of a sudden they change and they change to another tack and they go somewhere else. And all of a sudden they're just going around circles and not really achieving anything because... When you first start a business, it, it won't be immediate. You won't see those results straight away. Um, it does take time, and you've got to have that perseverance to commit to what you were trying to uh, achieve out of it. So perseverance is is the key, I think, in many situations. If you can if you can just stick at it, uh, push through, um, and you know it's not always about the who's the most intellectual or the smartest person. Um, it, it's definitely not about being ruthless and pushy. I don't think that that's the way. Uh, for me personally, I don't run the business like that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people who come into our business see a very different uh, culture to what they would see perhaps in another organisation such as a corporate or a bank or you know, many other places. So I'm definitely about the people. Um, it's about the culture of what we create. I think if you have the right um, motivation for what, you wanted, what you're there for to help your clients and that guides everything else that you do, keep people happy in their role, they'll do the right thing. And you'll meet your target. So I sort of do it the other way. I think a lot of people come to the business surprised to see that there's not necessarily the push of targets and um, results at the front. I think um, it'll just come if you do the right thing. And uh, definitely not, you know, that ruthless sort of uh, person from my side. That's that's not what I would consider. But the other thing is really a passion. You know, what is it that motivates you? Um, how do you how do you find that passion? You know, it might be that you've got to go back to, you know, what it was when you were like when you were a kid. I mean, if you think about life and when you're potentially the happiest, sometimes it might be when you're a child. And you think, well, what did that made me happy when I was a kid? Um, you know, where did that passion come from? Um, and sometimes just going back to that and thinking, well, what 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 am I driving my success my happiness from? And how do I how do I bring that back into my life now? Um, particularly in my work environment. So um, you know, passion will just drive you and it'll keep you going because you love it. You you love doing what you're doing. Um, but it's persevere. So I would say that those are the yeah. those are the main things for me. Yep, that's great. Well, 
we finish up with a question for everybody. And it's basically what, what's one piece of advice you can give to everyone out there listening to help us be a better version of, of ourselves. It doesn't have to be something to do with finance or business, but maybe something you've learned along the journey as, yeah. uh, as yeah. my brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> something I've taught you. No, no. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going to ask him who's, our, who's his favourite staff member. Weren't we going to ask that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Some works for him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I think um, before you finish this off, I can testify to what you said before that you are very different to the ruthless business owner, you know, that cracks a whip and all that. You know, my son speaks very highly of you, and I'm very thankful that he works for someone like you because you're very generous, very giving, got a big heart, and you know, you're showing him because one day he'll have a business one day, and you're showing you're modeling to him how to keep going and persevere because I think one of my pet peeves is I think perseverance is one of those things that has been lost in our culture that um, men and women walk away from friendships, relationships, business too quickly and don't push through and get to the end of that tunnel, get to the light at the end of the tunnel. But going back I to your question. It's, it's probably a harder point to, uh, to, to see, get your head around the fact that uh, perseverance, you know, the younger generation are used to instant stimulation and gratification now. I mean, we see it through games and, you know, instantly be able to pull up material that you can sort of get that, you know, that uh, excitement from. And I think that's not the real world, unfortunately. We can't do that. And as you said, relationships can get hard and you've got to work on it. You've got to persevere. You've got to come out that side. And that's that's exactly what business is. Business is not going to be successful to other way. So you're right. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of the main, uh, one of the main things that I, I've sort of liked to think about personality is just, uh, sorry, personally, is being objective. Um, making sure that you see both sides of the story and being, being prepared to try to centre yourself a little bit in the middle of all points. Go to the point of centre of truth and look at everything from both sides. And, you know, from my point of view, I love that. I love listening to people who have a completely different opinion to me, not so that I can argue with them, but so I can learn and try to understand why is it that they believe that. Um, and, you know, we'll put it from the other side. So I'd love to play the devil's advocate a little bit just to sort of see that. So debating things is great. I love that. But that objective point, what it does is at least it gives you that ability to appreciate everybody you know, um, you don't become judgmental. You're not biased as much as you would be. You're you're open to everything, and I think it's a critical point because you know people come to us and we can miss their intentions completely because we're completely biased. We, as soon as we see them, we make a judgment. We start to think about who they are as a person, and we write them off without even talking to them. So I think you know from that point of view, that for me is is a key point because it just it makes your life so much more rich and full because you get to experience both sides. Um, you get to appreciate it. And, you know, I, w when you see people who are just arrogant, uh, pushy, loud, uh, you know, not to, not to sit and think of anybody in maybe a presidential election that's going on, but <laughs> Trump is. Um, that, sort of, that sort of personality is, is just, you know, it's, it's, it's not, what it's the complete opposite. I think you need to really be open, yeah. And I think, that, you know, from that side of for me anyway, you know, I always think about a scenario when I was when I was younger and I was driving this car and I and somebody pulled out in front of me and you know put their arm out and did, a, did something. I mean, I got really angry at that person, almost a bit of road rage, and then I kept thinking about it. But then I sort of thought maybe maybe what you know maybe they had a bad day, maybe something was going really wrong for them, maybe they had a situation that caused them to come to that with some real stress, and I I wasn't aware of that. So it just all of a sudden makes that situation just you know dissolve away. So mm -hmm. big objective just lets you sit in both sides. Of the uh, of the equation, 
you know, understand people better. Yeah, okay, that's, that's a great school. Right. We, we can all do that, you know, learn from that. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> well, I think our time's almost up there, Matt and Raf. Um, yep. Appreciate you heaps, Matt, for coming on. Sorry I missed the first part. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's all good. It's all good to talk to you guys. And uh, no, that, that, that's awesome. So there's been a lot of lot of good nuggets in there for, for all of us to sort of, you know, have a, have a listen to and work through and really think about, you know, whether someone's employed or they're looking to start a business or they're, you know, just trying to make a little bit of money on the side or whatever it is that, you know, I think that that's a really important important thing. So we appreciate you heaps for coming on. No worries. That's good to be with you. Awesome. And good luck with the business moving forward, Matt. And uh, we, I'll, I'll continue to hear all the good stories and you know, <laughs> the amazing stuff that you're doing um, both here and in New Zealand. And, I, um, again, I'm very thankful that you've given my son. And anyone, you'll learn this when you get older, anyone who takes an interest in your kids, you take an interest in them. And, and oh, uh, Mosh has been like that for me personally. But you also, even though I've never physically met you, I feel like I know you so well. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, it's nice. Very nice to hear. But I think, you know, look, it's a, it's something that I think we all need to do. And, I, you know, I enjoy it. I love it. It makes me happy. And I love making other people happy. So, you know, in yeah. terms of seeing them grow and develop, which is good. So, yeah. Great. Awesome. Right, who we got next week, Mosh? Anyone? Well, next week we are we're yet to confirm, but I have someone um, that I am talking to about coming on next week. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want to give too much away because we're not – haven't confirmed them yet, so. Well, I'll tell you who I'm working on, and I've talked to you about this. We're working on uh, a guy who owns five McDonald's stores who's going to come on and talk about McDonald's, and yep. uh, uh, he's not listening, so I can say this and how to how he's so rich. Uh, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Simplice. So Simplice is going to come on the show. Simplice Rebom. Yep. He's a former young man who is a weightlifter and has got gold at Com Games and Olympic Games. Um, but he was one of the nine Cameroon people that fled in the 2000 Olympics and then found refuge here in Australia and became an Australian citizen and competed for Australia. So that's a win-win for us. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to have him on and hear his story, just an amazing story of um, where he's come from and all of that. So yeah, a couple of shows to look forward to. But again, thanks for having, thanks for joining us, Matt. And we'll we'll put your business link if it's okay in the show notes for people to yeah. get in touch with you if they want to, you know, seek your services there. Because obviously you're you know exactly what you're doing, and this is the time to ask. Yep. Thanks, guys. That's great. No worries. Awesome. Good stuff. See ya. Well, we'll all be able to catch up. Come over. Come over to Matt.